right, welcome to an impromptu uh, inappropriate Earl. It's uh, Monday night, 11.32. I was planning on doing a uh, podcast tomorrow at uh, 4 p.m. with the great Stuart Thompson by his new comedy album, Dandy Man, out now, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify. And I'm still doing that podcast. And then Friday, kind of a... A legendary episode. I'm having Fifi Dosh on. Fifi was on my podcast before. Has Joe Dosh. I don't think I've ever had the same person on twice as a different sex. So we're going to talk about that Friday. But me and Chandler were once again going to go get yogurt. And we witnessed a... uh, a three-on-one brawl, including a large female. I think Queen Kong, for you wrestling fans. She was about that size. And uh, Chandler, uh, do you want to... You're better at uh, describing things. And by the way, watch Holy Moly Thursday nights. It's Emmy-nominated. She writes it. You listen to it. Riggle and Joe Tessitore say it. Chandler, what did you see? In a criminal justice system... Crimes, ba- crimes and offenses are considered especially heinous. In West Hollywood, these dedicated detectives who investigate these vicious felonies are members of an elite squad known as the Chandler and Earl Unit. These are their stories. Dun, 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 dun. I mean, I don't know about your future and voiceovers, but... Uh... It was just it was a that was a rough cut. Real rough. Uh, that's going to be the opening from now on for our vigilante episodes. <clears throat> so... I am a psychic. I don't know if I've said this on this podcast before. I think I have. But I get a lot of cravings for late night yogurt from down the street of our house. It's the best yogurt in West Hollywood. It's actually the only yogurt in West Hollywood. But nonetheless, we love it there. Every time we leave the house, I say, Earl, why don't you take your phone or I'll take mine? And when he says no and we don't take our phones, I always say, what if something, what if a crime happens? And he goes, nothing's going to happen. That's what happened tonight. I said, should we take our phones? Earl said, no. I said, what if we see a fight? He said, nothing's going to happen. We leave our house. We're walking towards the bank. It's not even a block down the street, people. It's about 11, 17, I would say. Cool breeze. We both have on All Saints jean jackets, but not too hot, not too cold. I notice the sprinkler by the house is uh, just watering the dirt, and I make a comment about how the HOA fees are being wasted. Not my HOA fees, Earl's, because I don't pay them. He does. He's daddy man in this house. I pay for some things. I digress. Um, we start walking down the streets, a slight decline. We get towards Santa Monica Boulevard, and we see a scuffle. I would say uh, two people are arguing, one across the street in front of the U.S. Bank where we're headed, the other right in front of us on that side of the street. We hear them say, you thick-ass bitch, but not in a nice way, in a derogatory way. I personally thought he said, you thick-ass dick, but Earl was right. He did say bitch. Once we got closer, we realized it was a group of people yelling at one person on the other side of the street. As we get about 20 feet close, uh, a... I will not assume 
ethnicity or race, but it might be a Mexican man, maybe about six foot, maybe Latina. Let's not be completely inaccurate. Um, Charged across the street with bleach blonde Justin Timberlake circa 2000 hair. And uh, he is now yelling at this tall female and her two friends. And uh, then he hits her. And her two friends are like, hell no, you ain't hitting no lady. And they all begin beating the shit out of him. Now, it's a pretty even fight at first. Because the girl, although you should never hit a lady unless you are another lady and it's Ronda and it's all fine, uh, like Ronda Rousey, uh, the guy hitting the girl, like that was that was kind of even. But when the other two guys got involved, because she outweighed him, yeah, she outweighed him by for sure, at least forty pounds. They were both definitely the same height, though. Um, he had her in a almost a chokehold. Would you say, Earl? He had her since uh, we're both MMA, MMA fans. I would say he kind of had her in a uh, a Darsh choke where he was uh, in front of her but choking her almost in a, a reverse headlock. Yeah. But she's a very, I would say, uh, no joke. She's probably about around. 200 pounds. I'd say she's about six. She's my height. She was your height. She's about your size. About my size. She definitely could take care of herself. Six feet, 200. He was, I would say, six feet, 160. Uh, no muscle tone, so I would assume not very strong. It was definitely an even fight. So even if he was trying to choke her out, I don't know if he was strong enough to do it. So the scuffle goes on for about two minutes. And, I mean, it's a scuffle. Like, they're, like, moving around, hitting walls and stuff, hitting the... Hit, and then finally, he's got her in the chokehold. The two friends just start wailing on him um, to get him off of her, obviously. And that's when I do okay in fights growing up. I've watched them a lot. But, like, it was one of those moments when I looked at Earl and was like, we got to, like, try to break them up because either he's going to choke her out or those two friends are going to kill him. The way they started hitting him, they would have seriously injured him. And then they would have been in trouble when they didn't even start it. You know what I mean? But the two guys, one, uh, he could... He's a loose cannon. Force ...and it wouldn't hurt you. Like, he was not... He was very effeminate. I, I don't think he could do much damage to you. The other guy was probably my size, maybe even, you know, a little taller. And, and probably one, he had dark and, and baggy clothes on, so I'd say 190-ish. But... Uh, you know, he looked like he could do some damage. So uh, it was basically a three-on-one uh, beatdown. Yeah, so they started... So it it then became reversed, and they were beating the shit out of him. And uh, they were all pretty intoxicated, which uh, it definitely doesn't let your sense of when to stop. It doesn't... You don't... Your senses are kind of... What am I looking for? Uh, deterred? Dulled. Dulled, yeah. Well, I, um, I would think all four were on drugs. And yeah, I'm pretty sure they were from some intel we gathered later. Well, the intel was them telling us they were on drugs, basically. Yeah. The girl at one point came up to me and said, hey, just on the DL, I, I deal drugs. And we were like, sweet. I don't know why people tell us stuff like that when we're like the most straight-edge people ever. So, uh, 
it was mayhem on the street. So, and it's still not, think, it's still not over. Yeah, the cops are right now. So I'm yelling, "Hey guys, cut it out! Guys, stop!" I'm being like the sixth grader watching the two eighth graders fight right now. I'm like, "Guys, stop! Stop! I'm five three and one thirty. I ain't gonna do shit." Earl goes over and kind of breaks him up. He doesn't necessarily touch them because obviously he doesn't want to get an elbow to the face, but he does kind of mediate to get it to stop. Um, That's when, like, fuck everyone at the cantina on Santa Monica because they all, every single time something happens and Earl and I, will, whether it's a homeless person that needs help or a girl about to get attacked, they all just stand there. Everyone just stands and watches or films with their phone. No one gets involved to be a good Samaritan and help. And I fucking hate that shit because literally every time Earl and I stop to help someone after about two minutes, then everyone's like, wait, stop. What's going on? It's like, no, just be a fucking nice person. Don't just look at people. So we stopped the fight. Uh, the guy that originally started the fight, the perpetrator, walks back across the street. We think he's leaving, getting his car. He's a little disoriented. Yeah, he, he definitely got... He might have a concussion. Let's well, just say that. The girl got some nice shots in. And yeah. This girl, like... Anyone, she, she guy didn't, or girl. She didn't grow up in Beverly Hills. We'll just say that. But, I mean, if you're six one, two hundred, guy or girl, you can do damage. Yeah. Um... He's walking off. We asked the girl and her two friends. We're like, are you guys okay? Like, and clearly they were like, their heart was beating. They, you know, there was a scuffle. They ripped that guy's shirt off. Um, So they're okay. They start walking back towards the cantina. Swirl and I are like, wow, that's crazy. Uh, You know, let's, uh, let's go get some yogurt. So we, I, it, it's like it all happened in slow motion, but in fast motion at the same time. We didn't even take two steps towards the yogurt shop. Here comes that perpetrator. Full force. Hussein Bolt. Goes at that girl again as she's walking away. Yanks her hair back. And I mean, she goes straight back onto the fucking concrete. And he jumps on And they just start scuffling again. We're like, what the fuck? They chase him back. They're fighting again. And, uh. And that's, and oh, and at this time, a cop pulls up around the corner. So Earl and I are like, hey, hey, the fight's over there. He's attacking them again. Cop gets out of his car, like the moving glacier pace at this point. So he comes over the corner. They see the cops, so everyone stops. The Mexican perpetrator uh, begins to walk towards the corner. And that's when Earl and I are like, he started it. We're trying to help like mediate because um, the group, none of the group besides Earl and I were white. We'll just leave it at that. So they, we wanted to make sure that the, they, they were all okay. And that everyone was heard, meaning we could tell the cops what was happening. They felt safe us being there. Um, So we were trying to explain the cop. And while, a few more police officers come. The guy who attacked them ran up the alley and got away. And so like everyone's like, dude, that the the guy just ran off. So the cops are like, oh fuck. And then the 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 group that got attacked were like, fuck this. We don't want to talk to the cops. You're not gonna help us. So you know who gets left to give statements once again? Earl and Chandler. 
Well, they kept uh, the girl kept saying, "We're black. Don't talk to black people. Talk to those two white people over there." And then her one friend was like, "Fuck those people. They're not involved." And I was like, "We're trying to help you, you schmuck." And then the other friend was like a little more cool, and was like, "Oh, they're cool. They're it's like you know." They're just trying to make sure we're all okay. But now the cops, as we are doing this podcast right now, are looking next door. There's a construction site. They're building a, a con- they tore down a really classic looking wood house. I mean, it was a beautiful 60s, 70s home. It's now this gigantic, not grave, but uh, hole in the ground. And they're building a condo. And it's, it's like. So it's about a 20 foot drop. And uh, they believe the guy jumped in there, but he's so stupid. There's no way out. Like he's trapped there in the helicopters are above us so uh just another wacky night in west hollywood and we're just trying to get our yogurt man we're just like an old couple trying to get our our fix in so uh i'm getting a call from los angeles should i answer it yeah you better this might be this might be the cops right now um yes oh my god the cops are calling in the middle of the podcast Chandler's now on the phone with the sheriffs. I don't know if I should stop this. He had short hair. It might have been a mohawk. Um, it was blonde, but it was not long. No, no, sir. He was younger. He, he might have been in between twenty and thirty. You guys are getting yes, it. Right now, Chandler's getting... I didn't see a jacket. Um, He did have on jeans, though. Yeah. This might be a podcast mm-hmm. first. Chandler's... No out. problem. Thank you. You too. Bye. That might be a podcast first, where a, a crime report was taken in the middle of a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What What was the sheriff saying to you? He just needed a few more descriptions because they've apparently had some more disturbances tonight. And he was like, I forgot to ask. Did he have a mohawk? No. N- no. A short hair, long hair, uh, jacket. And I just said, no jacket, jeans, uh, short hair. Might have been a mohawk, but it was short hair. He was younger. Um, You know. Okay, well, there you go. I mean... You know, last week I exposed fraud in the memorabilia world. Uh, this week I, uh, along with Chandler, exposed, uh, I don't know, a, a drunken uh, cocaine-fueled uh, fighting on the streets of West Hollywood. Yeah. So maybe. What this- did we expose last time? Well, last week I talked about fraud in the uh, the Jersey hockey memorabilia. Oh. Uh, I was ripped off by a particular dealer. And, uh, you know, I'm like anonymous. I don't forget and I don't forgive. So, uh, you know, in this week. Me either. I think that's why we're a good pair. Well, you know, I, I mean. In Nothing the, fuels Earl and I like revenge. Well, but, you know, when you talk about fraud in the memorabilia world, that can be thousands of dollars. Uh, you know, I mean, these hockey jerseys, you know, can cost thousands of dollars and you know if they're uh doctored or not what they're sold to you as you, you know yeah it's a lot of money it's the same thing with baseballs you know you could 
you know, fake. I mean, there's been many fake Babe Ruth autographed baseballs. I mean, a Babe Ruth autographed baseball probably sells for $100,000. Literally $100,000. And it could be fake. And, you know, I could buy a baseball, throw it in the backyard where it's got wear or whatever, dirt and shit, sign it Babe Ruth, and, and some sucker will probably buy it for $100,000. You know, a lot of celebrities that give away autographs, it's not theirs. It's usually their assistants. Yeah, I mean, I, I figured that out once when I... Uh, paid Benny Vincent for an autograph and literally he treats his fans so bad that he signed like seven different things I, I only paid for like an autograph eight by ten and he signed like a cd a, a folder and, and all these weird things he didn't have to sign and each autograph was different like it was clearly done by like seven different people what the like, fuck what the, what the what the what the so uh just a short podcast guys uh you know it's the streets. So that I think people are reaching their boiling point. Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, I've I've lived in Atlanta multiple times for movies. Never felt unsafe walking home from the bar there. Um, I lived in New Orleans. I saw a guy get shot in New Orleans when I was twenty two. Uh, leaving a bar in the Ninth Ward, and. I lived in New York for a while and I've seen fights. I like fighting doesn't scare me or anything. I've never really been afraid living in the city, but I will say I've seen a lot more crime and I feel a lot more uneasy walking around this area lately. And I don't think it's just West Hollywood. I think it's like the world because didn't O'Neill almost got shot a friend of the inappropriate Earl podcast. Yes. The great Ryan O'Neill was walking and he lives, uh, like East Hollywood, I'll say, and uh, just walking, exercising late at night, and a guy asking for a cigarette or a light, and then then O'Neill doesn't smoke, and and I don't have anything, and then, uh, you know, is there 7-Eleven that's open around here? It's like, dude, all 7-Elevens are open. (laughs) There's not one that is closed ever. And then, uh, you know, next thing you know, the guy pulls out a gun and uh, fires three shots at O'Neill. Luckily, uh, none hit him. He had uh, pepper spray, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think O'Neill pepper sprayed him right at the point of the first shot. So uh, he ruined his vision, I I guess. And then when O'Neill, I guess, told the cop, he asked him for a cigarette. He's like, oh, yeah. If you're walking on the street at 2 in the morning, someone asks you for a cigarette, you're about to get robbed. Yeah. so uh, yeah but is that just like a rule of thumb i didn't know that well the streets are uh you know they're the streets it depends on the neighborhood like west hollywood is not that safe of a neighborhood to be honest like it's um you know i've often said you know uh, beverly hills pushes the homeless uh, east which would be towards us and the area to the east of us it's like the fairfax uh russian uh jewish area they push the homeless uh west so like west hollywood is ground zero for um you know homelessness and uh, i mean it's why rogan's going to texas one of the reasons he cited was the increase in homelessness yeah but he'll go to jail for uh smoking weed there so it's a felony well, I you mean, know what's crazy? I had a tweet, but no one liked it. But like, 
Texas people are always like, I'm not moving anywhere. I can't carry my gun. And Texas and California people are always like, I can't, I'm not moving anywhere. I can't carry my weed. Well, I think Joel, um, I'm assuming, was smoking his compound in Texas. but uh, With guns? I mean, yeah, I think he'll be all right. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he does his podcast now because it'll have to all be, for the most part, remote interviews. I love that he signed that with uh, Spotify and now it's like, I'm moving to Texas. What the fuck? Yeah, it's a baller move, man. Yeah. Uh, but he's always kind of gone against the grain. You know, it's like when he spoke out about Mencia, very few comics would have done that. They were like, well, what, what I happens? think what he what happens if the store isn't like this? What we're with the same it. agency? What happens if Gersh doesn't you know, it's like he didn't care. He's like, I'm gonna stick up for the comics. Well, here's my thing. I think the universe rewards people who whether you're an anarchist a liberal, a conservative, a humanitarian, an animal rights activist, whatever you are, the universe always rewards people who try to do what's right and have justice. Like if you if you believe in justice, karma will be on your side eventually. Every single time. It may not be in the time you like. Like I know you stood up for yourself and stood up for some people against Comedy Central. And now I think you've had justice in other ways like you know, I, years ago, stood up against uh, this terrible producer I worked for who was abusive to me, and she was a terrible person. And the funny, and she was a Disney producer, and she wanted to marry one of your cousins who's a Kennedy and was, like, always trying to hang out with him, and he was, like, not about it. And you know what? Years later, I'm now an Emmy-nominated producer for Disney, and I'm marrying a kidney, Kennedy with a kidney. So, like... Karma comes back to slap people in their titties in a good way or bad way. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to uh, stand up for what you believe in. And, you know, I think most times you'll come out on the other side, on the better side. but uh, Not immediately, but not yeah. Not necessarily. I see good things happen to bad comics all the time or bad people. But then they comics. eventually get taken down. I mean, you could... You you can rise to the top being bad, but you'll eventually have a fall. Like, look at the comics now who've had falls recently. I won't name any names, but look at every... I mean, what you do in the dark comes to light no matter what. And as much as Earl and I joke about we hate everyone, we don't give a fuck, fuck you all, we believe in the little people and we believe in doing what's right. And like, even though we shit on West Hollywood because the crime and the homeless and it's gotten rougher, it is still our neighborhood and we pay taxes here and we pay for the police here and we care about the residents here. So personally, it doesn't matter who you are. If you are in my neighborhood and something's going on or I see an injustice, I'm going to try to help someone because I just think like I would want someone to do that for you and I'd want someone to do that for me if we needed help. Yeah, but I see sometimes why uh, victims don't speak out. Like, you know, when I spoke out about statutory rape in the L.A. comedy scene, I was basically told to be quiet and... Uh, yeah. You know, just it's not your concern. It's uh 
it's up to the victims if they even see themselves as victims to speak out about it. And well, legalities don't matter if they see themselves as a victim. If it's a legal thing, it's yeah. illegal. But it's, I mean, I can't law. tell you how many people, and I mean, we've talked about it's this a, a million times, but like how many people would be like, well, they were, they were kind of close in age. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like it's Let's, illegal. Like, well, then you know what you say? You say, well, I hope that you don't think that when your daughter is yeah. 16 and fucks a 21 year old. Well, I told that to one guy. It's like, dude, you got two daughters, man. And this guy's like a big comic, man. And, and he was like, well, it's kind of close. And like, you know, I think it was consensual sex. I'm like, there's no consent in with the 16 year old. It's just, it's just, she might've said, yeah, fuck me. But it, it it's like literally well, here's, the letter of the law. I had this conversation at work two days ago because I told you about it. Where we were we were talking about, you know, women who are assaulted in the industry and women who aren't. And I and I personally I've spoke about this. Um I will never say the person the the people's names that has assaulted me because it's my own it's my own thing to carry and uh, I had to go through a lot of therapy after things that happened when I was a lot younger that all happened when I was working in the industry um, but I've had to make a choice as an older woman now in the industry I'm almost 10 years in that I stick up for males that I work with and I work with good men and I only, and I choose to only work with good men. Um, but I also choose to believe women and listen to women and try to protect women so that they don't go what I go through what I went through and, um, kind of warn them. And I was saying at work how through all this stuff because there's recently been like a wave of me too things and stuff and and I was saying to some guys I work with I was like you know I I choose to believe a girl because I am a girl and I've been sexually assaulted multiple times and and one of those things is a was a very very traumatic moment in my life and uh it still affects me today a lot of times and it's and I have PTSD from it and I have a lot of issues and you know, a lot of people don't know that because I've I've had to do a lot of therapy and deep diving and uh, learn that that incident doesn't define me as a woman, but it, it should teach me to take care of other people. And I'm not going to give anyone the satisfaction of letting something bad that happened to me control my life. And uh, and I was saying how I will always listen to girls because your experience is valid and just because someone else doesn't have that experience doesn't mean that it makes yours not true. And this, a, a guy I was talking to, he was like, you know, here's the thing. Women, like, why wouldn't you report it? Why, like, if it, if it really happened to you, why not go to the cops? Why not? And I was like, are you? That comes from someone that's never been assaulted that says that. Um, I know, Earl, you've been sexually assaulted, but... Well, I've been attempted. It never happened. But yeah. Like, but know. it's like... I never went to the police. And mine was seven years ago. And I didn't because 
the hassle of going to the police as a 21-year-old and the hassle of having to explain what happened and possibly losing my job that I wanted more than anything. And I remember I, I talked to a woman before I worked with about it, and she basically labeled me as a, hu- a, a whore that, and didn't believe me. And that really scarred me for a, a long time in the industry. And so it bothers me now when, when people say, well, if that actually happened, you would have reported it because that's not true. In in southern states, if you go to the if you go to the police and you say I was raped or I was sexually assaulted, and they say we're going to take you to the hospital, and you go to the hospital and you do a rape kit, your insurance doesn't pay for that, and the state doesn't pay for that. You do as a woman, and a lot of times it can cost thousands of dollars. And if you're a young woman who's been assaulted and then you have to pay to prove to people that you were assaulted, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, why would I do that? That's humiliating. And also, I don't have the money to do that. Like, that's where our system is fucked. That's my thoughts on it. Also, I told the guy the other day at work, sorry, I just had a bunch of sugar. This is the point I was going to make. And I told the men I was talking to, I know how to protect women and I know how to talk to women and I know how to talk to men and I know how to be cordial. I know how to be respectful. I don't, I shouldn't have to teach men how to talk to women or to act. That is your job as a man to take care of women and to take care of your own kind. If you see a guy in the green room doing something fucked up or you see a man at the bar or one of your buddies send in pictures of a female that she did not approve that he could send news or some of her to stop it. That's your job as a guy. That's, I don't have to teach. I shouldn't have to teach you how to respect women. You should teach your, you should teach each other. It's my, it's not my responsibility to teach men how to be a good person. And you know, the men who are good people in my life, I've never been anything inappropriate towards me and I've always been respectful to me. And, you know, one of the reasons I love you so much is like you've always been so respectful to girls. You make jokes here and there about for bits, but like you've never been inappropriate. Every woman I've ever met that you've driven home has always said how you've been so respectful. I've never had to worry. And, you know, you did stick up for someone five years ago and you basically got shit on for it. But you know what? Those times are coming for them. I don't think they are, to be honest. But they will. You know. Because I told people about it. Because mm. even if you don't talk about it, I will. So. But, I mean, even like last week when I talked about the dealer who ripped me off, I had like fans of that dealer go, well, what are you speaking out for, man? It sounds like you have buyer's remorse. And I was like, no, I I've ripped off remorse. Like I'm not trying to compare getting ripped off in jerseys and rape, but like I now know why victims don't come out. It's like they get ridiculed and they get like almost in a defensive position. Or when you're like, prove it. Yeah. Prove it. Or or when people say, Well, that happened twenty years ago. Or that happened fifteen years ago. Why all of a sudden are you speaking out about it? I'm sorry, if a fifteen year old was sexually assaulted 
have you ever read the book Lolita or seen it? They're not going to know that they're sexually assaulted or a lot of times because they're groomed. It's not until you're 30 and you see it from the other side and you're like, oh, I was definitely molested as a kid or like that was some pedophile shit. Well, that's what happened with me when the casting guy was trying to fuck me or whatever he was trying to do. Like at the time I thought, oh, this is just how the business works. Because he's grooming you. And this guy was legit too. Like I also think it helps if they're actually legitimate in their field. Like if it's just some dude in a, you know, 400 foot square office and you know some shitty part of van eyes you're like all right this is just the deal but this guy was one of the heads of casting in a gigantic studio like but this is why people get away with this is like look at brian singer he's been trolling for young boys for what 30 years yeah and everyone knows and everyone knows and they don't do anything like here's my problem so i am big in the tiktok community and tiktok they're pretty up because it's kids. They're pretty hip to square. They're the ones that trolled Trump and ruined his rallies and shit like that. The, recently, there's been a lot of videos come out, conspiracy videos and videos about uh, pedophilia and in Hollywood. And this one guy was talking about Brian Singer, which is a known thing. And TikTok will pull down any video that exposes any Hollywood child sex trafficking, anything. I made two videos about child sex trafficking and I said, these are conspiracies. These are not the truth. It's just speculation. Cause I was going to say that cause legally you can't say anything. If I do that, they still ripped them down. Anything to do with Pizzagate. If you t- hashtag anything, Pizzagate, they rip it down. If you put any of it on Twitter, they rip it down. It's because the people who money in this country or in this world will buy you anything and protect you from anything so the fact that hollywood elite are in a sex a lot of them do a child sex ring and get away with it that's why they pay off they don't want you to know and social media tries to expose them and they pay off social media to take it down well you know hopefully at some point justice is served but uh, what is justice you know, I mean, how Brian Singer has been known for 30 years. You know. It's just going to take someone in a mask shooting all these people. Me. So. Just kidding. That's a joke. Please don't come for me. Hollywood police. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a predatory business we're in. Do you think? <laughs> I was going to say the conspiracy theory I said the other day when my phone glitched. <laughs> But I don't want to get in trouble. But do you think um, Tom Hanks is a pedophile? I have no proof. That's a big conspiracy theory right you now. You got to, like, I'm not even, like, what's the proof? Like, you know, there's no proof. There's a deep dive on the internet of, like, conspiracy. Yeah, like, and, like, show me the proof. And that me. Ellen DeGeneres is on house arrest because she has an ankle monitor on. Show me, but I, like, that's a dangerous accusation to make. Like, show me the proof. Show me him with a kid. Show me a video. Show me a picture. Like, no one has done that. Like, so I don't. But you don't think that, like, look at Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, but there's proof. There's proof now. There's There's videos now and proof now, but people probably were saying that for years. You don't think that people like that can cover it up? 
But show me a picture. Like, like that's like, you know, um, the writer Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, the Vegas. Uh, yeah, he did the, that movie with uh, Johnny, Johnny Depp. Depp. You know, that's like the mention of adrenochrome is in that, which is um, the adrenaline. It's a drug that they pull from the adrenaline of people and they drink it to keep themselves younger. And there's like scientific studies on it that because adrenaline in your body keeps you younger. It's a natural drug we produce. And that's how people can like lift cars and, you know, you get the blood rush and when you work out, you get an adrenaline rush and it's like the highest drug you'll ever have. So there's like all these theories about, um, the adrenochrome is a thing that the elite will say used to take as a drug to keep themselves young because it goes back to Moloch tradition, which is, uh, a Moloch thing where they did child sacrifices back in ancient times. And Hunter S. Thompson is one of the first people that labeled it adrenochrome in that movie and in his books. And for years he talked about it. And then he got labeled years later as one of the people who were involved in satanic child rituals. Like when, when uh, children are rescued from cults, things they have to go through tons of therapy depending on what they were involved in and a lot of kids named him and this is on record like you can look this up they said it was him which he's denied and of course they have no proof because they were in a cult and you you can't track those things well anyway so once all of that came out on record he came and said that he made up adrenochrome and there's no such thing and He never talked about it. But if you look back in ancient times and they would drink the blood of sacrifices because they believed it gave them supernatural powers and kept them younger. It does have a weird thing through history. Like Queen Elizabeth was said to have um, used the blood of servants for her skin. She'd bathe in it. And then, you know, now I know Hollywood actors and actresses that do the foreskin facials from they take the blood from Chinese baby foreskin and put it in their skin. This is a real thing. You can look it up. It's like hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'll take your word for it. But it's a facial. I think it's just a few thousand, but it's a facial. Sandra Bullock does it. It's a facial you get on your face that's taken from the blood. Isn't that crazy? Well, I mean, I think a lot of it's placebo effect. Yeah, I could give you an anison right now and tell you it's a caffeine pill. You'd be up for three hours because you think it's a caffeine pill. Yeah, I believe a lot of stuff like that is. You know, I've certainly bought eight hundred dollar moisturizers before because I thought, well, this is better than a, a, a can of Nivea that's you know twenty bucks. And, and then we find out a test on animals and we have to throw it all away. No, you still use it because it's eight hundred bucks. It's like when I had Von Dutch. Uh, jeans on this guy comes up to me and goes hey you know that guy was a horrible racist and he said the n-word what are you going to do about those pants i'm like wear them they fit perfectly uh you would wear you had terrible fashion from like 1990 to 2008 yeah i was you know i was you know i was finding my stage uh persona for 18 years so i used to go get all my clothes at brass rail on the second floor nordstrom's at the west side pavilion which is now a vacant 
the Google building. You know, it's crazy to drive by it. We drove by it the other night. I was like, my God, this used to be the hottest mall, maybe in the country for a hot minute. And now it's just gone. Did you uh, ever wear Affliction shirts? I did. I wore them, uh, I think, maybe about 2007-ish. I would wear uh, MMA shirts, Affliction shirts. I would wear Fedor shirts because he was my favorite fighter, and he had this really cool, like, oops, uh, Cyrillic, uh, you know, Russian lettering and, and the eagle. and yeah. Until I almost got into a fight at the gym when this guy was like, what's your specialty? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, your specialty? I'm like, I, an English chief. Oh, he made fun of you? No, he's like, well, you're wearing a Fedor shirt. Do you do Sambo? I'm like, no. He's like, do you do jujitsu? I'm like, no. He's like, well, you should take that shirt off. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, well, if you don't do it, you shouldn't wear it. I'm like, dude, you're wearing a Seattle Seahawks jersey. Like, Are you on the team? Is that so, one of your stand-up jokes? But it is, but it's true. It, it <laughs> happened at, you know, the twenty-four hour fitness, and so uh, it was right around. Then I was like, all right, I, I don't want to deal with this type of uh, person every week because MMA fans are are pretty hardcore. So I, I gave away all my affliction and MMA shirts to homeless people. So so now they're gonna get their asses kicked. Yeah. So when I gave my hockey jerseys away to homeless people. People would take pictures. Hey, Earl, there's this black dude. Uh, looks like, I think he's got one of your hockey jerseys on, and they would send me a picture. I'm like, yeah, that's my jersey. It was cold. I gave it to him. So, what the fuck? I'm a, uh, I'm a giver. So. Yeah, you just keep on giving. Oh, la, 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 la. <laughs> he's so mad at me. What's Too like, bad you don't know how to edit your podcast. Uh, all right, that's the end of the podcast. Chandler, go to your plugs. Uh, watch Holy Moly every Thursday night on ABC, and we should be up for some Emmys. I find out tomorrow, so I could be an Emmy-nominated writer by the time you listen to this. Yes, uh, it's uh, Holy Moly Thursday nights, 8 p.m. with uh, Rob Riggle and Joe Tessator, Chandler writes and uh, produces on the show, or yeah, and uh, they're up for Emmy, and they find out tomorrow if they get it. Follow her, uh, give, uh, you know, Twitter and TikTok. Twitter, Instagram is at Chandler Barbie, B-A-R-B-E-E. Uh, TikTok is at Chan, C-H-A-N, Barbie, B-A-R-B-E-E. And uh, as you know, I'm at Earl Skakel on everything, uh, even TikTok, even though I don't do very well on TikTok because I just... Uh, don't try. Well, it's just not my sense of humor. Like most videos I see on TikTok, I I'm stone faced. I watch. I'm like, this isn't funny at all to me. But it's not my, uh, I think, uh, medium of entertainment. I'm. I more think of, that video I sent you of the girl farting was really funny. But I'm more of a Twitter. Like I, I see people's tweets and I'm like, oh, that's funny. Uh, I just think it's a generation thing. That. Uh, you know, it's like when my parents used to tell me how wild Elvis was. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they'd be like, well, he was so wild they wouldn't show his uh, below his waist because he would, like, I guess... Dry hump the air. Dry hump the air and, like, make a hula hoop motion with no hula hoop. And then, you know, I'd be watching, like, a white snake video with Tani Katane doing the splits, showing her beaver belt on a jaguar. It's like, uh, that's pretty wild. And then I tell people about that. 
you know, young kids like your age or younger. And they're like, uh, did you see the latest rap video? They're like doing oral uh, simulations. So rap, what? Rap, R-A-P, oh. not rat. I was like, no one my age is listening to rat. Trust me, they're the stars of the Geico car insurance commercial. No one my age even has car insurance. They probably use their parents. So uh, check out rat, uh, inappropriate oral alumni, two-time alumni, Stephen Piercy in the hottest commercial in the land right now. Round and Round is in the Billboard Top 10 for the first time in 30 years. So... Oh, my God. Was that you? It was. Ew! So, uh, you know, this is just an <laughs> impromptu podcast. We uh, <laughs> found a... Uh, Something of interest, you know, we thought we'd talk about it. We delved off into rape in Hollywood. That could be an eight-part series. And, uh, you Patrick know, we, we got into, uh, you know, fraud in the jersey world. So if you're buying a hockey jersey or a baseball or a football on eBay, be careful. There's a lot of fraud out there. Buy Earl's hockey jerseys if you want them. Yeah, yeah I've got about 600 game-worn jerseys upstairs. Email me for a full list. My prices are quite reasonable, and I won't rip you off. Um, They're authentic. He has all the paperwork in a safe spot, but even, and won't let me touch any. I will tell you right now, I don't know anything about hockey jerseys, but I will say that all of Earl's jerseys are game-worn. They all have blood on them. He keeps them in great condition in a cooled bedroom to their self, I am not allowed to go in there. The dog's not allowed to go in there. No one is allowed in there but him. He keeps all the paperwork safe in a drawer, all organized. Like It's almost like his own little workshop. It's weird, but I love him. But let's just say, like, you know, going into the memorabilia world for a second, just because it's on a piece of paper doesn't mean it's real. Like, you have to make sure the person who wrote that paper, it's called the COA or a certificate of authenticity like you got to make sure they know what they're talking about i mean chandler knows nothing about hockey jerseys she could literally write uh, a letter for one of my personal hockey jerseys and say wayne gretzky wore it and laminate it doesn't mean wayne gretzky wore it you know there's a actually a wayne gretzky jersey that was just sold i think for Thirteen thousand dollars. Jesus it's Christ! One of his Ranger jerseys, and it's it's one of the more affordable Gretzky jerseys. You know, if you if you want a, a big money Gretzky jersey, it's Edmonton Oilers jerseys, especially his rookie and and second year jerseys. They go for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, but this uh, the letter uh, stated that it was worn by Wayne Gretzky and. The Wayne Gretzky collectors of the world, there's like three. One in particular who's like, knows. He's like, he never wore this jersey. You could tell because of certain characteristics the jersey didn't have. And the whole point is the letter for the jersey stated it was a Gretzky jersey. So just be careful out there in the, in the, uh, and not just hockey jersey world, but if you're buying a football, Ben Roethlisberger signed, you know, it, look up his signature, you know, Google his signature. You know, everyone has a, a certain uh, characteristics of their signature that 
you know, you should uh, cross-reference. And, you know, if you're, you know, Michael Jordan memorabilia is big right now because of the last dance. And, you know, like he has certain uh, signatures on his, uh, or trademarks on his signature. You know, like the M is done in a certain way and how he crosses the J is is done only his way. So just be careful out there. There's a lot of con artists in the memorabilia world. We could probably do another full podcast on that. But I'm not going to speak out anymore because I was basically told to be quiet. Do you have any Wayne Gretzky? I couldn't afford his. I do have an autographed Wayne Gretzky picture. That's, that's probably worth like five, 600 bucks because it's framed and the autograph's in pretty good uh, condition. What's your um, most expensive jersey you own? Absolutely. The uh, Eric Bolton 9-11 a jersey worn by the Rangers and the Sabres. Is that the one framed? No, no, that that well that I do have well that one's pretty valuable, but uh the Eric Bolton jersey's valuable because the Rangers and the uh, Buffalo Sabres played the first pro sporting event uh, after 9/11 and uh the Rangers wore uh, shirts that said New York across it. Uh, which they have done in the past but not uh often and then the Buffalo instead of the Buffalo head on their jersey. They wore jerseys that said New York across it. Will uh, you sell that? So, well, I've been offered, you know, I I bought it at auction and uh, I've been offered big money by people who live in the New York area just because, you know, obviously 9-11 means a little more to New York than the rest of, I mean, it means a lot to all of us, but like, you know, if you're from New York, I think you, you know, means a little more. Um, what? Why do you have those three jerseys framed though? In our house. I just wanted to frame them. They have some nice autographs on them. Like I have uh, one, um, probably the second most jersey, uh, valuable jersey I have is the one uh, in the bedroom, the Detroit Red Wing jersey. It's a Joey Koser jersey. He didn't wear it. I just had the jersey made up with his name on it. But it's got like four Hall of Famers uh, autographs on it. It's got Scotty Bowman's autograph. Uh, who else? Uh, Brendan Shanahan, I think Steve Eiserman, Mickey Redman, and there's one more Hall of Fame autograph on it. Uh, so you know that jersey's probably worth a couple thousand bucks, just because you know anytime you can get Hall of Fame autographs on a football, a baseball, a jersey, it skyrockets the price. Also, death sadly makes a jersey more expensive. Um, you know. I've, a couple jerseys from several players who are deceased. And if they weren't deceased, their jersey would be like, you know, three or 400 bucks. And then, uh, you know, they die. And, you know, actually, depending on the way they die, uh, the, the value actually goes up because it makes it more macabre. Uh, so uh, I've gotten some pretty wacky offers on Wade Belak jerseys, who was a tough guy, but his jerseys weren't terribly expensive, like four to five hundred dollars. Uh, but now they're like seven, eight hundred dollars. So it's uh it's weird how things uh you know, they were selling nine eleven memorabilia, you know. That's crazy. Like pieces of the tower. Did does hockey jer do hockey players wear pink jerseys ever for breast cancer awareness? Uh sometimes in the minor leagues they'll have like a specialty breast cancer jersey or a prostate cancer or you know, I know like in baseball they have, uh, 
usually the players will wear like a pink uh, wristband that they'll auction off afterwards or uh, pink shoes or sometimes not often they'll use a pink bat and they'll uh, or, uh, auction the bat off you know for like you know that bat even if it's like i'm trying to think of a like if it's a mookie bets bat if it's just a regular Mookie Betts bet, that bet's probably four to five hundred dollars because he's probably the best player right now. But you know, you, you throw in the breast cancer or prostate cancer cause behind it, it it'll go for five thousand dollars, which is what the Eric Bolton jersey, you know, an Eric Bolton jersey pre nine eleven, you get for three hundred dollars. Really? Well, he's not. You know, he, he was just a fighter. You know, he was he was kind of popular, but he wasn't like a Bob Probert uh, in terms of popularity. So, uh, you know, the shirt sold, I think, for close to three thousand uh, dollars. It's just because, but the cause, the uh, proceeds went to the firefighters and police of New York. So, oh, that's nice. You know, you had like, you know, like a Steve McKenna jersey. That he didn't even play. He didn't play in the game. He just skated in the warmups. So he it wasn't game worn, but it was pre game worn. Went for eighteen hundred dollars. So like before nine eleven, you could buy literally six Steve McKenna jerseys for eighteen hundred dollars. So, but it's just because the cause and stuff. So how much is an Earl Skagel jersey worth? Earl Skagel jersey uh, is worth three dollars maybe before nine eleven. But like if I were to sell just a, if I were to sell the silver pair of pants I beat Jimmy Carr in in roast battle I could probably sell those for a thousand dollars. You know, there's like roast battle fans or fans of me. Do you still have them? No, I threw them away. What the fuck? Weren't they Versace? Uh, no, they were a Japanese company that, that um. they were custom made silver jeans. Uh, but I was so mad at Comedy Central at that point. I threw away the shorts they gave me. I threw away the towel they gave me. I threw away, I gave. You psycho. You could have sold that stuff on the internet, you idiot. I gave my Comedy Central hoodie that said my name on it to a homeless guy one night. And the funniest thing was the next night he was wiping his ass on, on the Comedy Central logo. I'm like, all right. Were you like, I like your style, dude? I'm like, hey, man, you should get on season two. I'm not. Oops. So, uh, never mind. I'm just kidding around. Actually, I'm not. I've been getting a lot of uh, confidence is the wrong word, but uh, I started watching wrestling videos. They're called shoot videos where the wrestlers keep it real. Like, they're not in character. They just, they're like, they're being honest. And there's this guy, Bad News Brown, who they ask him about every wrestler. He's like, ah, he was an asshole. What, what, is that what, what you're going to start doing? Yeah, I've been motivated by Bad News Brown to just be honest and keep it real. So mm. if you guys have any questions, feel free to, uh, you know, go on Twitter. I'm not really on Facebook that much. Instagram and ask me a question. If you want future question on a podcast, you know, that's what made the uh, memorabilia podcast so good last week is I had fans uh, submit questions about jerseys, and there were some really good ones. So, uh you know. Yeah, send questions about the nineties to Earl. Eighties and nineties. Send send questions about the nineties to Earl, and we'll both answer them. Because I was between the ages of zero and eight in the nineties, and he was in between the ages of twenty four and thirty four. So yeah, this was just a fun uh, 
episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. It was very scattered, but uh, love you all. Me and Chandler had a lot of adrenaline when we walked in, so we thought, "Fuck it, let's hit record and see what comes out." So uh, make sure you watch Holy Moly Thursday nights and uh, stream the Jellies on Adult Swim. You know, and uh, watch Roast Battle on Comedy Central if you want. And uh, I'm dying up here. I think you can stream on Showtime. And uh, hell, uh, watch the first season of Real Rob on Netflix. I was in uh, episodes five and six. So, uh, and then, you know, as always, leave a review for Inappropriate Earl on Apple Podcasts so I can get back on the charts, crack their algorithm. And uh, there'll be two more episodes this week. Tomorrow is with Stuart Thompson talking about the release of his new comedy album, Dandy Man, not Daddy Man, Dandy Man. And then Friday, Fifi Dosh was on this podcast a couple of years ago as Joe Dosh. She's now transitioning to a woman. So we're going to talk about that. And it will be my second transgendered uh, comic. Of course, we Am had I Robin. First? Of course, we had Robin Tran on. Oh. The great Robin Tran. So uh, I hope you like it. Inappropriate Earl on a Monday night. Wash your hands. Wear a fucking mask, you idiots. Wear and a condom. I and I love you all. Yeah.